Last week, we outlined the different positions in the post-game as to how to conceptualize Menhage Ida, Menhage Mishpacha, Menhage Amakom. It is worth noting that much of the discussion that we had, while it is most fully spelled out in the modern period, it has resonance in earlier post-game. I have Shurim online that you can search, where I note how some of these positions were presented 500 years ago. In the early 16th century, you had similar dynamics of communities traveling after the expulsion, moving to new communities, and that is where you began to see these discussions, where you see Postkim talking about under what circumstances communities must accept the minhagim of the communities they move into, and what cases they, may, they, they do not have to. And in general, you'll find that the Beit Yosef and the Ramah in general believed that communities that moved in to pre-existing communities did have to accept the minhagim. However, in the Truvat Ra'im, you actually see a formulation similar to Rabbi Lam where he acknowledges that there were sub-communities that were created in his time that followed the Minhagim from their places of origin and attributed value to these kihilot that people voluntarily joined and believed that that could be binding as well. However, in this year, I want to focus on two points. One is the point that we finished with last week. And that is that we noted that some post-scheme, in fact, believe that it's not 100% clear why it is that we treat Minhage Eida as binding. And that there are certain post-scheme who blur the lines I recently saw a post of a uh, prominent Talmud Chacham who, because I have not verified this, I will not say the names, but quoted a different, very prolific writer who, whenever anybody in his yeshiva gives a shiur in which his conclusion is that Ashkenazim should do X and Sephardim should do Y, he requires them to give money to tzedakah. Not necessarily because it's wrong, because he feels that such a move is not ideal and needs to be justified and not be taken for granted. Now that is a relatively extreme formulation, but it does force us to ask the question, is this divergence of Minhag ideal or not? And here it is worth turning to Machlokot that happened at the early in the early years of the state of Israel, where you had the, those influx of Jews from all over the world, and Poskim were torn as to whether ideally they would want to bring these minhagim together, nichud minhagim, or whether they value their being distinct cultural minhagim, however one justifies it as we discussed last week. And perhaps the tension 
is is most pointedly seen in a tshuva by Rav Uziel. In Piskei Uziel, Siman Bet, Piskei Uziel B'Shelot, Azman Siman Bet, he was asked a question by Rabbi Yaakov Levitsky. And he writes as follows, Rav Nehorai She'ela Sha'il Kaman Hayot Shvi'amenu Baruch Hashem Nitrabai Yishuv Baratzenu Akdosha Thank God the Yishuv has been built up here in Eretz Yisrael Ken Yerbu Nitkabtzu Lekan Achenu Mikol Pzurei Hagolai Minageyem Amyuchadim Batfila Vechayotzei They came with all their customs and the like their customs in Tfila Everyone comes, they love their minhagim, and they don't want to leave them. And this point, I think, is important. That even if formally it turns out that we do not believe we're bound to our minhagi avot or minhagi eidah, Again, an assumption, at least the latter one, that most poskim do not accept. But even if one were to conclude like Rabbi Lam's theoretical possibility, there would still be value to Minagim because people want to continue to be identified with their family and their their countries of origin or their ancestors' cousin of origin, often. But Levitsky writes to Ravuziel and he says that on Sukkot, everyone has different minhagim, everyone is shaking their lulavim in every direction. And, and Rav Levitsky appreciates it, he thinks it's beautiful. He's worried, however, about the problem of Lotitgo to do, the prohibition recorded in the Gemara in several places, Yivamot Yud Gimel, in the beginning, Sukkot in, in Megillah. That one is not allowed to have various minhagim happening in one place. Now, if I had to imagine what Rabbi Levitsky thought Rav Uziel would respond, it seems he had one of two possibilities in mind. Either he thought that Rav Uziel would like him share appreciation for the diversion minhagim that coexisted. And he would think that it is beautiful and a mitzvah to continue in each person's fam- familial tradition, their minhag Or, he would agree that it's beautiful, but think that one should push, at least in a given shul, to ichud minhagim, to unification of practice, because of the problem of what it's going to do of not creating factions at least within a single community. If we want to put it slightly differently, Americans often discuss that America is the melting pot. The ideal of America is that everyone becomes American and their customs, so to speak, become one. Elsewhere, such as in Canada, and more so recently the United States, they value the mosaic. That the beauty of the whole is that each custom is discernible in the result. 
So Rav Levitsky presumably thought that one of two possibilities could come from Rav Uziel, either that he valued what we shall call the mosaic of each person maintaining his menhage eda, and that was the ideal, or would think that indeed there's a beauty in the mosaic, but when it comes to a single shul, a single community, one needs unification of practice, so to speak, the melting, but at least within the shul. However, Rav Uziel's response is, right, is quite different. And Rav Uziel responded that not only did he think it was prohibited, it was not for a technical reason, but he did not see the beauty of the mosaic of various minhagim, minhagay eda coexisting in a community. But rather he thought that this was extremely problematic and that the melting pot was indeed the ideal. That Ichud Min Hagim is the ideal. And that Lot it's going to do is not just a technicality that we need to deal with, but in fact reveals the entire theology of the Torah. And he writes as follows, Ben of all the great things that distinguish the Jews, there is one thing that goes on top of them all. The unification of this nation and its Torah. Thousands of years have passed since the revelation of Harsinai Harbe Galiot Galta Yahadut Vatelech Migoy Algoy Mamlacham Mamlacham. We've gone to exile from kingdom to kingdom. Harbe Shmadot Nigzirulav Al Torata Lashmidal Zaifa. Sentences of destruction against the people and as the Torah were commanded. The Saresio Teota, the Shabesh Kavanota. To twist the letters, to confuse the intentions. <laughs> Influences, customs, foreign languages clung to it. And despite it all, nevertheless, came out pure. The Judaism came out pure. And unified. And one, in its essence and its Torah, the Kol Elushen Nisu Lefkob Achdut Torah Zod Hashem Rani Matzukim Hayasiim Akaraim Kedoshal Tamidei Meshichei Hasheker, and all the groups that tried to challenge it, Samaritans, the Stukim, the Essenes, the Karaites, all the various false messiahs of Dulegamre are lost. Or Shemit Kavim Kiyum Aluv Shizavolot Batelmin Alam. We're eventually going to fade out. This unification, this oneness, comes from the Torah. She, from the one who gave the Torah. He's one in heaven and earth. This is the goal that Moshe 
Davins for the Yitzharah should be destroyed, removed from us. That we should fear God and serve God in one, in unison, just like God is one. And our prayers are not answered until we are in one group. And this unification the oneness of the Jewish people teaches the oneness of God. When we're one, God's name is sanctified. And here he gets to his point, and he says, Do not make factions, do not have various customs existing in the same place that is not just something, a technicality of halacha, but it is the definition of the halacha. That God is one, His Torah is one, and therefore in an ideal state, the Jewish people must be one. Their practice unified. And if it is not, that, God forbid, indicates a certain level of division within the Torah, and even worse, within God. A multiplicity. It implies a lack of oneness in the Torah, which re- expresses godliness in this world. And therefore, he says, therefore then moves, and he says, I will admit that it is permitted to have groups and factions of accepted communities of Ashkenazim and Svaradim. They said even there perhaps you could change and there if you could change it would be better to we should hope. We should hope for the day when God will unify us in heart and action and speech. You definitely can't add subdivisions. And therefore he goes on to forbid within the shul different practices. And instead says within the same shul you could have you must have a single custom. As much as possible it is a mitzvah for us to express God's unity by being unified ourselves in practice. So what does this machlokes indicate? Because even Ravuziel agrees that it is legitimate for Minhagei Ashkenaz, Minhagei Svar to continue to exist within the Jewish people. So why is this important? So I think as I started with, 
<coughs> One of the things that I think will affect the extent to which the Inhage Da remains such a strong category, and the extent to which a blurring of the lines, small or large, will happen, is one's orientation towards those minhagim. If one thinks that the ideal state, as Levitsky seems to have presented, is the mosaic, is multiple traditions existing in the Jewish people simultaneously, one sees a beauty in that, then indeed one will believe that it is ideal to maintain However, Rav Uziel, while he recognizes that indeed it is legitimate to have distinct minhagim, minhag Ashkenaz, minhag Sfarad, he thinks that even that situation is not ideal. That the ideal should be a unified custom. And therefore... While he thinks it is legitimate, he minimizes the cases in which it's manifest, and therefore within shuls, within particular batei kenesiot, he felt that the minag must be uniform. And if one studies the history of Rav Uziel's chief, um, tenure in the chief rabbinate, one will discover that indeed, he attempted to minimize the differences between Minhage, Ashkenaz, and Svard, accepting the positions of many of the Ashkenazi Rabbanim, that we should begin to unify halachic practice, agreeing that both Ashkenazim and Svardim, for example, should adopt the Ashkenazi position, which prefers Chalitza over Yibum, that when a man dies childless, that we should prefer that his wife and his brother end the leveret connection between them with the quasi-divorce or separation practice, chalitza, rather than marry each other through the leveret marriage, accordance with the Ashkenazi position rather than the Svardi position, which gave preference to Yibum over chalitza. <coughs> You see attempts at creating a Nusach Achid, unified texts of tefillah to be used by everybody. And therefore, you see this distinction not just in orientation to the Psaq, as to whether one should celebrate the existence of different Minagim and different Eidot, but in practice as well, Ravuziel's conviction that even those well-established minhagim, the distinctions that they represent are not ideal, and therefore, when possible, one should look to unify them. If that is one's perspective on Psaq, then indeed, one is going to only accept minhageda is having the final say when one is fully convinced that indeed, that is the halacha, and it's going to minimize the cases in which there are distinctions between the different kihilot. To read another tshuva by Rav Uziel, this was a tshuva from Rav Uziel to Rav Yitzchak Nisim, quoted in 
the Shuryin Hatov, Siman Zayin. He notes this explicitly, and he says, "Vechal shitati he lekarev at kamash zemutar b'shinuyenus chaot shebein asvaradim ashkenazim bedavar dimin karb lemenoa yedekach tamiot v'sheilot." I, as much as possible, as much as permitted, I minimize the differences between the texts of the Ashkenazim and the Svaradim and things that are recognizable to prevent questions. <clears throat> so as I said, in addition to the question we addressed last week, of are these minhagim of Edot, are they indeed binding? When we now return to joint communities, primarily in Eretz Yisrael, though, to be fair, similar Realities exist in places like America and Canada and England and France where you have large Jewish communities with people of different origins. Do we celebrate the distinction of Minagim and think it is ideal, in fact, to maintain these familial, tribal, ethnic customs, these subgroups within the Jewish people? Or... Do we see it as a bidiyavad? Do we see it as something that emerged but is not ideal? And therefore, when possible, should be minimized. One of, one of course can have it slightly both ways and believe that for practical psak. These minhagim are indeed binding. Believe it is not ideal. But unlike Rav Uziel, who believed that in practice one should try to minimize the gap, one could argue that that will have to wait till the time of Mashiach. And that in the current situation, we indeed must treat these minhagim as binding. And this is the position that Rav Kook outlines in one of his letters. And he, rose, and he writes, Al tipol beruchacha chabibi, im alpi masorit yu kibutzeinu, shabahu miglulot shonot, vishchaye adat, niftichu etzlam betzirot shonot, chichim lahachzik kol echad beminagav umisortav. He says, don't be upset, if because of the tradition of all the people who've come, so they each have their own traditions from their own galut. We must strengthen their customs. Then you'll say, you'll be depressed and say, well then how will unification come back? He said there are two answers. Answer one, like Rabbi Levitsky, is that different practice doesn't necessarily lead to a lack of brotherhood. And it is in fact beautiful and ideal at some level for people to maintain their different menagim and still manage to get along. And these different flavors, these different hues add the richness of spirit to the harmony of the nation. However, these traditions have value, partial value, and local value. 
until we are completely organized as one. We don't have all our internal and external organizations. But when the hue, the national color and identity will emerge completely, then the tradition will force us to have a court but if before we have that court to unify practice and you try to impose it now through degradation, you just bring chaos. And we hope for the days when the Menagim come together, the tree of Ephraim and the tree of Yudah grow together. So here you have three perspectives. You have the perspective that the multiplicity of Menagim familial and cultural of the subgroups in the Jewish people is an ideal. At the other extreme, you see it as a failing, perhaps legitimate to practice that way. But fundamentally, the ideal state is unified practice. And the more that one can, in practice, bring that about, at least on marginal issues, like small issues in Nusach HaTfilah, perhaps one even practically should pursue that. And then you have the middle position of Rav Kook, which is that the reality of Galut is both binding and beautiful in its time and place. The reality, that not just from Galut, but that we bring from Galut to Eretz Yisrael is beautiful, if only for the current time. The fact that we have a mosaic of practice and we can still have achva, we can still have brotherhood, adds to the color, adds to the symphony of the Jewish people. However, he does recognize that while for practical halacha, we do not change minhage eida, and we even value it, the distinctions, and celebrate it, he, like Ravuziel, doesn't believe that this is the true ideal. And thinks that in the time of Mashiach, one of the defining features of having us in Hendrin Agadol will in fact be the unification of practice. And therefore, the question that we needed to ask after last week is not just, do we believe that Minhage Eida continue to be binding? when we're unified geographically. The question we then must ask is, is that state ideal? And again, we've seen the three views. That it's ideal, in a fundamental sense. That it is bidiyavad. Maybe we can recognize these different minhagim, but minimize them as much as we can, as much as we feel is legitimate halachically, and as much as is possible. Or we can see the beauty in both. And believe that indeed, minhage eida are binding, and the distinct practices that we bring to the table add to the beauty of our current community, while simultaneously recognizing that something is lost in the very existence of divergent traditions within the Jewish people. And believe that in the ideal state, perhaps in the time of Mashiach, when we have a Sanhedrin who can choose between the minhagim, and decide which practice is the best, that we will then return to that idyllic model 
where we'll have no violation of things like go to do, of factionalism. And as I mentioned last week, while most poskim, as a statement, simply a description of the current state of Psak, most poskim do indeed take Minhage Eida as a given. The fact that you find some poskim who at least on certain issues are willing to blur the lines or in fact encourage blurring the lines is a combination of the fact that one, as noted by Rabbi Lamb, it is not 100% clear how it is that we transformed Minhag HaMakom to Minhag Eida. And two, as we saw this week in Ravuziel, it's not clear that those distinct Minhagim maintaining their identity in a unified community is in fact ideal. So the combination of not being sure why they should be binding and not being convinced that differences should be maintained from a theological perspective, those two perspectives are what begin to blur the lines. And further, my contention that I le- ended off with last week, that while most poskim do believe that Menhage Eida continue to be binding, the extent to which this will be true in the strong way that it is now in the coming years is unclear to me. And there is, on the margins, poskim who are beginning to blur the lines at least slightly. And at least understanding why this might be legitimate halachically and why it might even be an idea will at least help us understand the directions that the poskim may take in the coming years. If, in fact, they decide to maintain the minhage eida, that will indicate that we've taken the halachic position, the minhage eida are indeed binding, and indeed the maintenance of different traditions is ideal. But if we continue to deceive by some poskim a blurring of the lines, we'll understand both the halachic and theological justification for the directions that they take.